Game on on 2FM. Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men Advanced Deodorant and Body Wash. Let the confidence last. Game on. Weeknights from 6. On 2FM. Well, a big thanks to the two Johnnies and Afric for the afternoon entertainment. It is Thursday, February 22nd. I am Shane Dawson and you are listening to Game On. Coming up between now and 7pm, Bernard Jackman is in studio as Andy Farrell reveals his hand for Saturday's showdown with Wales. We'll also hear from the Ireland head coach himself and all the big selection decisions. John Fallon has the latest from the FBI's Eruptus hearing and Rebecca Cray previews Ireland's women's national team friendly away to Italy tomorrow. Shane McGrath looks ahead at the weekend's National Hurling League fixtures while Ethan Murray joins us to review and preview Camogie League action. As always, if you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552, WhatsApp 087-187-9200 or we're on X at Game On 2FM. Game On on 2FM. Good evening. Happy Thursday. Welcome along to Game On. Rebecca Cray and Bernard Jackman. Already in studio, Rebecca. We're not even chatting football for a while yet, but you're, you're here nice and early. How are you? Tight, listening yeah. in on the expert beside me. <laughs> we, we, we can bring you in on the rugby chat if you, if you wish. Don't do it. You wish. Looking forward Don't to the big one on Saturday. Are you going? You I'm going? not. I'm yeah. not. I'll no. be watching it. Pre-season friendly with Shells this yes, weekend? Yes, most definitely. Gets okay. Me around, so. okay, okay. We're very yeah. best to look with Thank that. Uh, we will be chatting uh, about uh, Italy versus Ireland a uh, little bit uh, later on, but Bernard Jackman is here to chat about Ireland versus Wales. Before we do, just to uh, update your news headlines, the Ireland men's hockey team was beaten by Australia in the FIG Pro League this afternoon. Mark Tumulty's side, which will compete at the Olympic Games this summer, went 1-0 down in the second quarter. Australia scored again in the third quarter, but Ireland responded from a penalty call corner of their own Shane O'Donoghue with the finish but a strong fourth quarter saw Australia add two more for a 4-1 win Ireland plays Spain on Saturday now there's basketball ongoing at the moment uh, the Ireland men's national team are taking on Kosovo in the 2027 World Cup European pre-qualifiers that match tipped off at 6 so just 5 minutes ago and the latest score to hand is Kosovo 7 Ireland 3 Early stages yet, though. Ireland, of course, uh, plays Switzerland in those qualifiers on Sunday. And there'll be live updates of that with Greg Allen, RT Radio 1, a Sunday sport. But we will keep you updated with uh, Kosovo Ireland at the moment, as they say, 7 3 uh, at the moment in that one. Game on. Rugby. But lots to get through. We're starting with rugby. Bernard Jackman. Uh, we now know the team that Andy Farrell has selected for Saturday Showdown with Wales. Before I get your thoughts, let's hear from the man himself. Andy Farrell was speaking with our own Michael Corcoran earlier this afternoon. You've named a team for, for the game against uh, Wales at the weekend. Uh, you might just talk through that. I mean, firstly, no Hugo Keenan, but Caelan Doris is there. And just talk about the composition of the team and the thought process in terms of picking your 23, because that's what it's going to take. Well, uh, fitness and, and form, and and, um, and what suits the, um, the 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 way that we want to play, and, and, and the opposition that we're playing against all come into it. So, Hugo is is isn't fit, and um, has had to step out of training, progressing uh, pretty well, and uh, going in the right direction. Uh, Gary Gary Ringrose um, has done all the training this week, bearing the contact, so his shoulder. Is, is certainly getting better at a push. Um, you know, he, he could he could be better within within days, really. You know, but uh, there's no point pushing that and setting him back because he's he's worked so hard in in getting to this point uh, um, uh, so far. So there's always injuries, isn't there? In 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 any given um, uh, time, certainly at international level. So um, 
those uh, lads will use their time, hopefully like uh, Pete and, and, and Bundy and, and, uh, and others have done to, to, to try and get back fit again. And obviously they're ready to go. Um, and then uh, Oli Jäger coming in for his, for his debut off the bench is someone that we've um, been looking at now for, for quite some time, actually. And, it's took a, quite a quite a while to get him to get him back here, and he's uh, what what a story. And he's come back, and we've had him in camp, and I've been very impressed with what we've uh, seen. So we give him his his opportunity. And all in all, um, for me, it's a a, a very good side. Obviously, um, uh, Kieran Frawley getting his first start in in, in the Six Nations is a, a big game for him, but he's playing in a good team. Talk to me about Kieran Frawley. I mean, he's one of these multi-purpose players that can play in many, many different positions and his versatility obviously is something that has come to the fore wearing jersey 15 this weekend. Yeah, and sometimes that versatility um, gets you to a point where you're, you're suited to covering all sorts of different positions from, from the bench, you know, and uh, he's, he's far, far greater than just, than, than just that. He's, uh, he's a very controlled, uh, balanced type player. Um, Who's, uh, who's got a bit of everything, really, so he suits his way to 10, 10, 15, 12, etc., and uh, it's, um, it's a great opportunity for him. Can I ask you about Caelan Doris um, and, and where he is fitness-wise? I mean, he, you know, the, at training the other day, he wasn't taking an active part at that stage, but you're obviously quite happy that he's, he's OK at this stage of the week. Yeah, no, he's fine. Um, this happens the whole time in rugby. Yeah. People uh, need... Uh, looking after the, the main point is is making sure that people have got the legs and and the right fitness for the weekend. And sometimes you have to manage that. Um, uh, Kaelin uh, just had a bit of tightness in his calf from Friday, Friday, Saturday, when we when we trained against the the twenties. It was never going to be a problem. We just managed it in the right direction. He he trained on Monday, missed Tuesday, and trained fully on Wednesday on, on our big day. So he's fine. And from the point of view, you'll be you'll be concentrating obviously in Ireland this week. But you know Warren Gatton quite well, and you've worked alongside him quite well. So is he one of these coaches who you, you kind of expect the unexpected, or does that make Wales a bit unpredictable? Well, you do, and you certainly. Um, always make Wales unpredictable anyway because when they put the, the red jersey on it means a hell of a lot to them it doesn't really matter what's happening with the provinces whether they're dominating or not the pride that they have in playing for Wales is, is always second to none I suppose you know uh, Gats have been around that long um, it goes hand in hand doesn't it that it's, it's probably him that gets them up to that point etc so we're expecting nothing different this weekend so we're standing in the tunnel just a couple of yards away from where you, you walk out. I mean, what will be your final message to the players when, before you leave them on, on their own on, on Saturday? Same as it always is. It's, it's, it's always about ourselves and, and it's always about taking a step forward the whole time, you know, because uh, there's one thing for sure. We, we want to be um, involved on the last weekend to, to try and be in with a shout of doing something. Uh, winning, win, winning uh, the Six Nations, as, do, as does everyone else. But to do that, you've got to keep getting better um, throughout this competition. History shows that you know that the um, teams do get better as, as, as they go. We've we've had a couple of weeks, haven't we, since our since our last game? So that has to be the case. So that was Ireland head coach Andy Farrell speaking to Michael Corcoran uh, earlier uh, this afternoon. Uh, Bernard, lots of uh, talking points, lots of narratives to get through. What's uh, your general overview and thoughts on the team selected? Look, I think it's a very strong team. Obviously, a huge boost to have Caelan Doris um, available. Peter Manny coming back in after his, his rest week. Uh, 
Crowley obviously has been outstanding the first two games. I, I wasn't sure whether I, I would like to see him play fullback and um, or or Kieran Frawley. And the only thinking behind that was you know to give Harry Byrne another another opportunity. I think Crowley is the man, but I think what Farrell is doing in the Six Nations is it's. It's just evolution. You're trying to get share the game time out. So Ty Furlong um, comes back in. Um, Finney Beelham had a very good game against against Italy. Now he's on the match 23, but it's an opportunity for Oli Jager. So slowly he's increasing our, our depth. And Frawley is a key one because look at we when Hugo Keenan got injured. And thankfully it's it's something that hasn't happened very often. There was a real question mark who was going to replace him, particularly with obviously Mac Hansen and, and Jimmy O'Brien out injured. But Frawley has played a fullback for Leinster. Um, incredibly talented player can play centre can play 10 and this is a huge opportunity for him to get his, his first start and and also just we've gone 6-2 on the bench with obviously Conor Murray and Stuart McCluskey covering uh, the backs positions and, and Frawley you know is someone who's ideal for that as well so down the road a really positive opportunity for him to, at full bar, a game for him at full back this weekend adds to his his ability to, to cover that if we go 6-2 on, on the bench uh, so yeah all in all it's a very strong team and I think look at the, we're hot favours this game um, and when you see that selection you can kind of understand why Is there any danger of pundit and fan complacency I'm not going to ask about player complacency yeah, look, like, it's, it's so hard to see anything other than an Irish result I was just looking at some of the some of the rankings like we're first in tries first in carries first in running metres first in metres gained first in post contact metres uh, first in rook speed first in possession um, tackle breaks line breaks so like we are and it's only it's two games and you could argue about the mindset of France and Italy but I think we've just carried on from where we were going into the World Cup and, and for vast periods of the World Cup we were on fire mm. um, and to be honest the rest of the teams in this competition look to be a little bit off France talent wise should be there thereabouts but there seems to be a big hangover from this, from obviously the home World Cup losing that and then Wales Gatlin's been very open and transparent saying this is rebuild it's a total rebuild um, now there's still some players there that you have to respect the likes of Adam Beer, George North Thomas Williams, Tommy Raffel's having an outstanding competition, um, but there's so much depth, there's so much uh, youth. youth around yeah. that, and probably a lack of belief that they can beat Ireland. Like these lads never beat Irish provinces um, when Ireland are full, when Irish provinces are full strength, and you know over the last couple of years they haven't been able to to beat Ireland. So I, I think this is a is a is a is sorry is very much a, a match that Ireland's team will be targeting five points. Well, Wales haven't beaten Ireland in Dublin since the World Cup warm-up in 2015, uh, which kind of just complements all of the stats that they've reeled yeah. off there, that uh, all signs are pointing uh, in the direction of an Ireland victory. And um, What point will, will Kieran Frawley want to prove? Like, Is he going to come out like a man possessed, given his frustrations with, with how his Six Nations campaign has gone today? Yeah, well, look, I think he's, I think he's more frustrated with... Um with Leinster and, and not getting an ability to play at 10 I mean when when Ross Byrne got injured um, there was an obvious opportunity for one of those 10s to put it up to Jack Crowley and, and probably because the game time was shared between Harry, Sam, Kieran, um it was difficult for any of them to make a stand so and I think he was very open he came out and said I need to play 10 more um, but now obviously he'll want to take his opportunity and what Farrell, Farrell won't be expecting him to be Hugo Keenan but he'll want to see that he has big game temperament and isn't phased by the occasion and is able to influence the game in a different way than Hugo Hugo covers every blade of grass whereas I think 
against Wales for all his ability as a second playmaker could be something actually even better than Hugo because mm. uh, that's his strength having played obviously 10 a lot and played foot, a centre so I think that'll be key being secure under the high ball but more importantly Farrell Farrell's big on character and just showing that he has that mentality to go out and play in a Six Nations game from the start and not shy away from it he does that this weekend he'll get massive credit in Farrell's books mm. are you expecting that like he won't yeah. be phased to be honest no, like he's 26 years of age he's he's had lots of injuries but lots of games and experience and coming in and as Farrell said he's playing around good people so um, the Calvin Nash has now got his third Six Nations start obviously similar type age lots of rugby under his belt James Lowe's playing out of his skin uh, you know it's an experienced back line and no I think I think he'll be very comfortable and uh, I think to be well prepped he's had effectively two weeks lead into this um, where they've been in camp and uh, he'll know what he'll know what's needed of him and, and I'd be very sh- I'd be shocked if he doesn't deliver I'm a fiend for speculative um, chat and I wonder Bernard and you may shoot me down here you mentioned about Karen Frawley being frustrated with Leinster is Karen Frawley now number two full back so would there be any world that perhaps Leinster were advised to be trying him at fullback so he's more accustomed to that role just in case a scenario happens that Hugo Keenan gets injured like this and your second choice fullback is is Kieran Frawley No I don't think so I think Leinster have used Frawley where they need him best you know where that's starting a fullback where it's covering the bench uh, and that's that's fine I mean it's not as as a line as that Leo and and Graham Rowntree etc have certain freedom to do what they want uh, in terms of selection but now he has get now he is getting a start in the Six Nations at fullback. You know, he'll feel a lot better about himself. He'll feel a lot better about the fact that he is a utility player to a certain extent. Um but I'd be fascinated, like, let's be honest, it's hard to see anybody replace Hugh Keenan long term. I think as I said, Jack Crowley's had a phenomenal start to the ten jersey. But if Frawley is the competitor that we, we think he is, he may decide that ten is his position and he may become quite selfish about where he plays over the next year or two to make to make sure he gets a chance to go head to head, and if that's not in Leinster, maybe it's somewhere else. I mean, you know, we know Ulster are potentially looking for a ten. Um, obviously, Billy Burns is probably going to Munster to replace Joey Carberry. Connacht with Jack Carty and and um, Jade Johanneran is, is is full, but you'd be shocked if Ulster weren't making a play for one of those Leinster tens, and maybe Frawley because of his age profile, he's the one who maybe maybe is the most likely to go. Okay, that is uh, very interesting. Um, also, as much as I like speculative chat, I love Interpro transfers as well and love picking your brain on those, Bernard. But um, Munster prop, uh, Oli Agar, as you mentioned, in line for a debut at the View Stadium, uh, the 28-year-old tight head uh, named among the replacements. Has he leapfrogged Finley Beelham? No. Or, or is it a case of just establishing that, that player depth that you mentioned? Yeah, look, I, th- I actually think Finley Beelham had a very strong game against Italy and actually probably put his case forward to be a, a, a viable threat to Ty Furlong now having said that Ty Furlong was brilliant against France and, and obviously if he's at his best there's no one in Ireland to touch him but I think that's purely rotational um, Jaeger's a very good scrummager and, and a good ball player played well for Munster last weekend has been training um, and like it's amazing now if, if he comes and does what we think he will do off the bench this weekend um, obviously you know was he five time Super Rugby winner mm. um, we now have Ty Furlong uh, Finney Beelham, Oli Yeager, Tom O'Toole. So that tight head jersey looks a lot stronger than it has probably at any time in the last, I would say any time in pro rugby in Ireland. That's how that's how strong we look there now with, with him coming into the picture. And obviously it's only recently he's become available because he was playing New Zealand. But uh, that's just uh, give him time. 
and reward him for making the decision to to come back to Ireland and throw his lot in with Munster in Ireland. Uh, Andy Farrell did mention that Gary Ringrose and Ian Henderson uh, weren't available for the Wales game due to injury. Uh, Henderson dislocated a toe playing for Ulster. Ringrose still on comeback trail for a, a shoulder issue. Uh, he trained with Ireland this week but no contact yet and I'm reading that uh, verbatim from a Murray Kinsella tweet to give uh, Murray credit um, for that uh, and, and noting that as a source. Um, does Gary Ringrose come back in straight back into the team for England, or, or who's going to really, who, who's going to really want to, to make a point and, and put their hand up for guaranteed selection in the kind of maybe categories? And I know that maybe yeah, categories. Look at small. That, I, I think Robbie Henshaw, who's obviously replaced um, Gary Ringrose in the World Cup, he's been excellent. So uh, he'd be very hard done by if Gary came back in. And I think that's just there's no need to risk Gary um, this weekend because of, of how good Henshaw's been. Obviously McCluskey did well um, against Italy as well, and. That's that's what, exactly what you want. I think that Gary would have been if Gary if there was any doubts about Ireland this weekend and, and Wales, and we're going six two. Gary's obviously a, a much better replacement in the backs than McCluskey because he's played wing, mm. um, late in games, etc. So I, I I would take it that Gary's definitely not a hundred percent fit, and they're not going to take any risk. And obviously with a follow week next week again. I think you know he's someone that they'll want to get into that matchday squad for England, uh, but I don't see. If if Robbie keeps playing the way he's playing, I think it'll be off the bench. Okay, six two split as well. Is this going to be? Yeah, so I'm surprised by this a little bit because it's becoming the norm now. Yeah, well, we did it against <laughs> France, um, but there's reason to do it against France because uh, that's where their power is. Against Wales, there's no obvious reason to do it, um, but obviously I think it gives them a chance to to get James Ryan, Ryan Baird, and Jack Conan together on the bench and. Like all three deserve game time, um, uh, more so than anything else, and it's just just being flexible. But it doesn't; it's not really logical given the threats the Wales will throw at us. But it's obviously um, far looking at how we can share that game time out over more forwards rather than more backs this week. What are the threats that Wales are going to throw at us? How are we going to overcome them? What's going to be key? In the um, well, I think look at I think their scrum is a weakness, um, and they've chopped and changed their props. Um, their line out has been hit and miss uh, are, are there any threats? <laughs> no look their, tra- their biggest threat is actually without the ball a fellow called Tommy Reffel their seven has had an outstanding uh, tournament so far and they do play fast and they do play with abandon they probably haven't been together long enough to have a very clear and obvious uh, shape or, or attack strategy but when they played to their best against Scotland and England now, I haven't said that England were down to 13 at one stage they, they did just move the ball quickly and took quick taps and played with great tempo their kicking game is actually very poor uh, and when any time they've gone back to that it's actually got them in trouble so unless they've improved that massively and Sam Costello coming in at 10 will give them a little bit better um, a kicking game but I think there's going to be big opportunities for Ireland to counter attack um, look at obviously if we if we're sloppy they can they can take advantage of that but I think if you look at Ireland over the last 21 games um, we've been incredibly consistent and pretty ruthless like our, our percentage of, of games that we get 5 points for, for the 4 try bonus is, is incredible and I think that's realistically where this team should be uh, targeting what the team should be targeting this weekend Expecting another rootless performance in the Viva Stadium uh, this Saturday. A match you can listen to live commentary on RT Radio 1 Saturday Sports and live on RT 2 Television, which you'll be able to see uh, Bernard Chapman there. Bernard, just before I do let you go, I know you covered this at Lent on the RT Rugby podcast. Uh, you can get that podcast wherever you get your, your podcast uh, material. Um, will Richie Murphy be a successful interim head coach yeah. at Ulster? I think so. Like the 
obviously I was looking up to play with, with Richie um, and I've been watching his, his career. I mean, if you look at his career, so Academy in Leinster, had coached in the club game in Old Belvedere, is part of Joe Schmidt's Irish squad, so experience of winning the Grand Slam, experience of getting the team to number one in the world, and then goes as a head coach to the under twenties, is on target for three back to three Grand Slams in a row, um, which is incredible. The, the the feedback and the uh, the way the players who've had him in the last couple of years talk about him, how he empowers them to to play, how he helps them make decisions, and you look at what the Ulster players are saying about the environment at the moment. It seems like the perfect tonic and. Um, if I was him, I'd get up there Monday morning because they play Dragons next week and in Ravenhill. That's that's a five-pointer. So to get a, get a start with a win, build a bit of confidence and go from there. But I think he's in term, but I, I see no reason why uh, he couldn't be there long term. Okay. Brennan Jackman, thank you for now. Uh, speaking of the Ireland under-20s, of course, we are down in Cork tomorrow. Ireland are in action in Virgin Media Park and the roadcaster is out on the road. We are coming live from Cork tomorrow on Game On. Uh, Brennan Jackman, thank you very much. We have a text in. Joe in Abbey Leaks. Hi, Shane and Rebecca. Looking forward to the chat about women's football. Really enjoying the good feeling they bring every time they play. Well, Joe, we'll be chatting women's football next with Rebecca Craig. John Fallon will also be joining us as well with the latest from the FEI at the PAC. Stay with us here in Game On 2FM. <laughs> QFM. Game on on 2FM. Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men 72 hour advanced deodorant. Tough on sweat, not on skin. Game on. Football. Now it is time to chat football here on Game On. Rebecca Cray is standing by to preview Italy versus Ireland. But up first, John Fallon was covering the FEI at the uh, Oireachtas Committee uh, meeting uh, today. Lots to get through. Um, I did enjoy, I must say, Malachy Clerken's opening paragraph in the Irish Times, John, uh, where he mentioned you don't want to start with an apology, really. Not great. Tony Keohan, the Fresh Meat Football Association of Ireland chairman who was only elected just before Christmas, wasn't scheduled to make an opening statement to the PAC on various financial matters. But like an errant husband landing home at petrol station flares, he hurried to try and soften the blow. Anyway, did the FEI soften the blow of today's PAC meeting, John? Yeah, good evening, Shane. That's, that was a great line from Malachy Clerken today. Um, really encapsulated the situation because when you're going in making an apology, you're really on the back foot. And I have to say, over the course of three and a half hours, the FEI rarely recovered from that position. Um, because even before they got in there, there was some controversy. They were due to have their submission opening statement submitted uh, yesterday morning at 9.30 and it only arrived at 8.30 this morning. So straight away they had uh, the backup of the TDs and that sort of dominated the early exchanges, both from the chairman, Brian Stanley, and the first speaker, Paul McAuliffe. Um, so it, they got straight into the business and there's a lot of things on the agenda, as we know, but primarily um, it was really, I suppose, you unanswered questions from the saga around Jonathan Hill's payment in lieu uh, of untaken holidays and that really descended into into a sort of pantomime um, a phase because he the way he uh, put it was that he had gone from a stage at the last meeting in December that he wasn't pushing for it to the open state which said that he had suggested it and then when he got in there he said he only made this as a throwaway remark uh, which was interpretable with a financial director as a request so that really set the tone for what, what followed. Well, well, we can actually hear what you're describing there now. So this is Jonathan Hill on that throwaway uh, line explaining uh, himself to uh, TD Paul McAuliffe. Uh, you'll see that an email um, was sent to me 
actually in mid-November, which came from the junior employee we're seeking to protect from a legal perspective, just to make that clear. In that email, I am asked if I agree to a request from that junior colleague to commute holidays that the employee could not take for exceptional circumstances to a cash payment. And I accept that you can't see the words in the redacted um, statement, but that is for legal reasons. Um, but within that, just to explain, both the then finance director and the COO had agreed to this request already, and that's referenced in the email. So I too agreed to it, although that was not a formal approval as due process would need to be followed. Within that response, I am comfortable, because it doesn't relate to uh, the junior employee, in saying that I added a throwaway line to that junior colleague saying, can you negotiate the same for me, please? Question mark, exclamation mark. For me, it's clear that this was not a formal request. And it was in an email back to the junior colleague. I copy the then finance director to the note, um, as, I agreed, uh, I, as I agreed as he had done. He obviously takes that line as a request and uses that email chain to go himself to the then chair. From then on, I am not part of that process, although I am asked five weeks later, as would be normal at the end of the year, how many days holiday I have taken. I reply and ask what is happening with them, saying clearly that I would be happy to carry them over. The finance director, the then finance director, who has copied on that mail, continues the discussion with the chair and with the other people in yeah, the chair, emails. That you Michelle, can I just pause here at that point? Yeah. So are you suggesting that the email was received from us, um, it says from Alex O'Connell on the 5th of December, 1540, uh, 1541, and in the second paragraph it says... Jonathan requesting to be paid uh, out uh, his unused holidays. Are you suggesting that Mr. O'Connell was incorrect in taking taking that that line that you say in an email I can't see uh, that, that he was incorrect in taking that as a request? Well, I, I I can't comment for him in relation to whether he was incorrect. You're, you're or not. Sa you, I'm, you, I'm saying you said that, that was, you did not. That was take his the interpretation of the line that I have just explained to you, which isn't in the redacted emails, but that was his interpretation of it. Um, and so so you, I mean, you're, you're, you're suggesting that Mr. O'Connell did not read your instruction correctly, that a joke in an email um, went on to become a formal process. I'm, 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 I'm not saying that, but it's clear from the emails that that is what you, happened. You either, requested it, you either requested it or you didn't. Did yeah. you request it? And, and, I, and I'm saying that it was a throwaway line in but, the email, which he then interpreted... OK, let me put it in a different way. Do you think it was reasonable for Mr. O'Connell to believe it was a request? I think it was, uh, it, it was simply Mr O'Connell's interpretation of the line. John, I think it's important to note here, John, that it was a heavily redacted email that Jonathan Hill then revealed part of it. Even the, the social media handles of the FBI were redacted. Uh, everything except a couple of uh, email addresses, basically. Um, does this literally boil down to what the meaning of an explanation mark is in an email? Uh, again, we're getting into interpretation, but just on the point of the emails, yeah, it was noted PAC would deal with redactions on a regular basis, but they'd never seen it to the extent that the entire emails were, were, were blocked out. Um, you wonder why they were even put there in the first place. It was so irrelevant. Um, but the exclamation mark um, entry was 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 it was intriguing. Um, he is trying to make it out that it was said in in jest, that it was a joking matter, 
and it went on from there to be interpreted as a request formalised and then it landed in Jonathan Hill's account and that was the first he knew about anything in between uh, his joke. So, you know, you, you, you can overthink this thing um, but what it really boils down to is uh, whether or not, and the question was asked there by the TD, it wasn't answered, did he request this payment and you know, he says that he suggested it. Um, he said he like he had said the last time that that he didn't push it. And I think anyone, you know, being reasonable about it would push start to conflate those two things into the same meaning. Uh, I want to play a clip, uh, John. It's Paul Cook, uh, FEI president, uh, under questioning regards Jonathan Hill, the FEI uh, chief executive. Mr. Cook. It's a very difficult situation for you as president with all of the members to hear Mr. Hill outline a scenario that I think is incredibly difficult to believe. Do you have confidence in Mr. Hill? Um, I think under Johnson we've made great strides so far in the organisation. I have confidence that we can continue to make great strides as a board and the senior leadership team going forward. Uh, Mr. Cook, I, I, I hear you choosing your words correctly, and everyone should do that before in the Rocks Committee. You've confidence in the boards, you've confidence in the senior leadership team, your confidence that the FAI will make progress. My question was, do you have confidence in Mr. Hill, given the evidence that has been presented here this morning? I have confidence in the senior leadership team and the board going forward. Okay. I, I, I don't want. I, I don't want to continue to press you the same question. When you say you have confidence in the leadership team and you're not answering the question that you have confidence in Jonathan individually. Can I infer some instance? Some, no, uh, I, I think Jonathan's part of the senior leadership team. So you have confidence I have in Mr. Confidence Hill? Confidence in the senior leadership team. Do you have confidence in Mr. Hill? I have confidence in the senior leadership team and the board to continue the progress that we're making. Like, I, I appreciate you're serving in a role, you know, it's, it's an important role, it's important part entirely supporting volunteers. They want you to, to know, do you have confidence in Mr. Hill, who's paid a significant amount of money on behalf of the, 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 the sport? My, my, my confidence is certainly by the fact that has been challenged by the events. A tough listen, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, yeah, very uncomfortable. But um, at the fourth attempt, um, Paul got his answer. And I thought it was interesting, I think, when he phrased the question in a way that he was representing the football folk of Ireland. And that's important. The FBI board is split seven independents and seven from the football. Paul Cook is the president. He's the highest elected member on that board. And when he thought about it, he came out with that statement that he certainly, um, his his confidence has been challenged. And that, um, at that point, the proceedings were fairly early. We probably thought it was going to go one direction, you know, which was down. Um, but then Tony Cohan, again, another uh, repeated questions. He was... Um, uh, eventually came around to expressing some confidence in Jonathan Hill and it maybe neutralised it a bit but the fact that the presence of the FEI tonight on the record in the public glare is saying he doesn't have confidence in the Chief Executive is very telling. Considering how today played out and I would imagine there's considerable anger um, in certain departments in the FEI and grassroots football and so on do you feel Jonathan Hill as, as FEI do you feel his, his position as Chief Executive is untenable? Uh, personally, I don't think it's tenable. Uh, I think once I saw the documentation this morning, and uh, we've you know we've been waiting a long time for the clarification. Alan Dillon did tell him in December that the version he gave would have to be corroborated by emails. 
Uh, we didn't see all the emails, but the fact that he suggested it, I think, um, infers to me that there are two different accounts that he's given. And on that basis, um, bear in mind we're dealing with the chief executive of the FBI. Uh, it's not his fault that there is, you know, some legacy issues there in history in terms of his predecessor. But he has to show leadership. He has to be whiter than white. And I think in this case, he has certainly fallen below those standards. And uh, I, I, I don't see a way back from him, unfortunately. OK, John Fallon, Irish Examiner, a football correspondent. Thank you very much uh, for taking the call. Um, Rebecca Cray is here. We are going to chat about uh, Italy, Ireland. Uh, first, let's hear from the Ireland manager, Eileen Gleeson, on why the decision was made to play Italy and Wales in this uh, friendly window. Yeah, no, I think, you know, we felt for this camp uh, very important that we got two good tests. We think both teams can can give us that. Obviously, you know, Wales been in League A, so they have that experience as well. And Italy then, we've seen a lot of progression um, post their, their World Cup campaign, you know, finish second in their, their League A. So really good test for us. So we felt two good games, uh, one one game away, one game at home. Um, so, yeah, t- two good um levels in terms of benchmarking ourselves um, and yeah good tests Two big tests uh, benchmarking themselves I think is, is the key there Rebecca what are you expecting to see from Ireland because this is going to be a bigger challenge than than previous friendlies not, not obviously it's going to be a big challenge like we saw in the World Cup but in terms of testing ourselves against the big nations Yeah most definitely they're going to be two two big tests you know I think Wales might be the, the more similar you know to Ireland in terms of, of standards um, obviously Italy coming off the back of it of a decent enough World Cup and obviously their, their Nations League uh, campaign was, was pretty good too um, I think this is going to be not so much about results more so about getting minutes under the belt you know you have a lot of returning players coming in the likes of Niamh Fahey Leanne Kiernan um, you have Jess Sue in there as well um, and Aoife Mannion so I think it might be a, a good time to maybe get them back involved um, you know see maybe some, some different systems obviously Louise Quinn as well is, is someone that has a question mark over them mm. um, having had a shoulder injury in the last few weeks so I think it would be a bit more of a case of, of her coming back in against Wales so yeah look as I said it's it's going to be two major tests compared to the, the nation's kind of games we've had where they've had really good uh, results you know Eileen the team um, since she's come on board as an interim and, and now obviously this will be the, the first major test for her in the, the kind of permanency role I hope Louise Quinn plays because herself and Courtney Brosnan are on a run of 22 consecutive games stretching back to February uh, 2022, which is just incredible stuff. Um, Emily Murphy is waiting an international clearance. She won't be available. And I have to add, midfielder Jamie Finn ruled out due to an ACL tear uh, suffered in training. That's just awful news for Jamie. Yeah, I seen the news this morning and it was just, you know, heartbreaking, to be honest with you. Obviously... Jamie being a, a, an ex-teammate of mine mm. um, a friend you know I know the kind of player she is and she, she wears her heart on her sleeve for Ireland and you know it's all she, she ever wanted to do was, was play for her country and I know it was a, an absolute you know devastation for her not being included in that World Cup squad and I know she'd done everything she could to get back involved with the Irish team um, and I think just it's just there's nothing more that you could say than heartbreaking yeah. you know um, but, but the character that she is uh, like, be, because she's had to overcome obviously you mentioned being, not yeah. being selected for the World Cup and then this happens as well but knowing her it is cliche she'll bounce back I, I hate that term no, no, but in terms completely. of like people will rally against her yeah. and she will come back strong most definitely like Jamie is so resilient you know that's that's one thing you can you can say about her she might look slight but she's, she's very strong um, and I know mentally that she has the capacity to 
to come back even better and bigger and strong, you know, and stronger than than before. And and look, I wish her all the best in in her recovery going forward. And and look, hopefully, it won't be too long. You know, the, the, we see her in the the green jersey again. How will Eileen Gleeson uh, and the Irish team under Eileen handle the the more challenging matches like this? Because this is a step up from from the Nations League games. Yeah, look, I, I think Eileen, as I've said, since she's taken over, has got a good team around her, you know, and she, she likes to lean on them. Whereas I think in, in previous instances, it might have been the case of, you know, gung-ho at the top. Um, she's not afraid to, to say maybe she has a weakness in this capacity, you know, in, in her own kind mm-hmm. of coaching um, circumstances where she has the bodies in, in you know, Colin Healy and, and Emma Bourne there with, with the experience um, to lean on um, and, you know, see what the, the best kind of, I suppose, solution is going forward. But they've got a, a great pool there now and they've got some big players coming back on board as I mentioned already with, with Jesu and Nifa he has a wealth of experience coming back in there Leanne Kiernan is in, in flying form again um, obviously you've got ne- or Megan Campbell back on, on the left side of, of things that might you know release Katie to, to get a little bit higher up the park as we all seem to crave every time Ireland play um, obviously we're without De- Denise O'Sullivan um, mm. this this camp with a, with a bruised knee injury which will be a, a huge loss as, as we know she is one of our, our kind of major game players um, but there is you know still got still great players involved in there with, with Rusha Littlejohn Lily Ag you've got Tyler Toland Megan Connolly Erin McLaughlin and, and Jess Fitzgerald obviously representing the league here um, which is fantastic to great. see so even in the off season players being oh, selected yeah. is brilliant major yeah. major you know so it'd be, be great to see now if they get, get some time across the next two games are you expecting a different style? Like you mentioned about we all want to see Katie having that bit more of a free role and we saw some free-flowing football uh, in the Nations League and, and there was a narrative that this is a breath of fresh air considering what we saw under Vera, Vera Powell but will it be a bit more pragmatic perhaps? Will it be a bit more defensive, a bit more solid because of the, the opposition that we're playing? Potentially, yeah. I'll be interested to see because if, if Louise Quinn's not playing there as that kind of centre centre yeah. half, you know, pillar at the back, it'd be interesting to see who she brings in there. Obviously, we know Caitlin Hayes has done really well since she's played um, for us. You've got Diane Caldwell there. Megan Connolly has also played a centre half. Um, so I'm intrigued to see if she still goes with that that kind of three five two formation. You know that she's been been um, you know heavily. Uh, relying on her wing backs and, and yeah. Heather Payne and, and obviously Katie out there as well. So I'm not too sure. You know, I, I know Italy, although they are, you know, great great going forward, I think a kind of, um, you know, a hallmark of Italian football is, is you know, being tight at the back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look, I, I think she might set up how she how she has been? Um, again, I don't know any of the inside information, but uh, be interested. Ah, you do, Rebecca. I no, I promise. Get I Katie on the phone. No, <laughs> she's hard to get these in. <laughs> <laughs> well, all will be revealed tomorrow at a quarter past five Irish time. It's live in the RT News Now channel. Uh, Mary Curtin will be joining us uh, to provide us with updates and analysis on uh, tomorrow's game on live from Cork. For now, though, Rebecca Craig, thank you very much for Cheers, popping sure. in. Um, as always, we are chatting Gaelic games, hurling and camogie specifically after the break. So stay with us here in Game On 2FM. RTE 2FM. Game On on 2FM. Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men Advanced Deodorant and Body Wash. Let the confidence last. Game On. Hurling.
Now, Tipperary's finest, Shane McGrath, joins us to chat hurling. Aoife Murray will be joining the conversation with Komogi uh, in a little while. Shane, let us begin. You mentioned uh, on your online article that you feel Cork and Waterford could be the, the tie of the weekend because there's so much at stake. How concerned would you be if you're a Cork fan heading into this one? That's right. I think you have to be, Shane. Like, I mean, they've they've no wins. Um, you know, if they, if they lose this, like... You know, mathematically, even I, I, I don't think they can kind of qualify for the top group next year with head-to-heads against Clare and Kilkenny already lost. And if they lost this one, they would, uh, they they would lose the head-to-head of Watford as well, and they'd be the top three teams then, really. So, I mean, I mean, there's a lot. Like, while while it's not championship, Shane, I suppose there is there is a lot at stake from like um, the, like build up to championship. You know, going on the it's not the ideal preparation for championship. Like, you know, if losing these games and I mean you want to get the crowd back on side so I just think there's no there can be no excuse for a poor performance this weekend if they're bet they're going to be bet by the better team but they can't I suppose you can't from a car point of view you can't say we're with lads at Fitzgibbon because Fitzgibbon is done now that those lads will be back and you know Cork Cork always have a lot of guys involved Fitzgibbon but a lot of counties do um, even the likes of guys come back from injury so look if you, t- if you look at Mark Coleman he came on against Kilkenny first game in a long time I, I, I heard I think it could be nearly even two years right but he looked really good got on the world of ball so that's a positive for him so guys are coming back okay Robbie O'Flynn I'd say won't feature a bad hamstring injury but it's it's down in Parky Cueve, uh, you know, against Watford. Watford are, you know, I was down to, down there a couple of weeks ago, and they're fairly depleted at the moment. I think they're missing twelve at the moment. Like, and you know, a, a lot of them are like their top players. So, I, I just think whatever is in Cork has to come out uh, this weekend against Watford because if they don't, you know, the, the morale will be down. Shane, like, I mean, they just it's it, it's hard to pick things back up. You need a few wins to build momentum for the championship. And and that's why they just they just have to win in my opinion. And I think I think they will. I, I think I think they've taken maybe a, a bit of criticism, especially since the Kilkenny game. While they came back, they still lost the game. I I, I do think there's a big performance coming from them um, at the weekend, Shane. Speaking of Kilkenny, they host Offaly. Clare are on the road. They're uh, facing Wexford and Wexford Park. They're both one forty-five throw-ins uh, on the Sunday. Um, what catches you eye from from the other one A matches? Uh, well, like say, awfully they they got a great result against Wexford. Like albeit Wexford down to thirteen men, but I mean they're they're still trying to find their feet, like playing against like real t- the top top level teams, and to get a draw against Wexford. Like everybody in in one A would look at awfully as being a guaranteed two pointer, Shane. Like Clare, Kilkenny, Waterford, and Cork. They they they'd all be looking at awfully going, yeah, this is two points, and I'd say Wexford did as well, but. Conditions were poor, but fair play to Offaly. I, I, I thought they, their conditioning looks really, really good. Um, they're, they're, they're playing a good style, good brand of hurling, you know. Um, they've, they've got some really, really quality up-and-coming players. Everybody knows Adam, Scre- Adam Screeny, for example. So, you know, this is all experience for him as well, like coming up playing against these top defenders who are physically much stronger than what he has faced maybe at, at underage level as well. So... I, you know, I, I, it, it, all that being said, I, I just think that Kilkenny are getting stronger progressively each week. And what do I mean by that? Like they, I think they, they had nine guys from their starting fifteen in the All Ireland final that didn't feature at all against Wexford. That came down to maybe four or five guys 
um, against Cork. So they were getting stronger all the time. And I think Derek Ling will be will be looking to, you know, slowly but surely get all his top guys back in the field, get them all playing with each other. And, you know, I, I couldn't see anybody could Kenny win there. As regards to Claire Wexford game, Shane, like I think like if Brian Lohan goes strong, like and I mean like plays the likes of Mark Rogers and Adam Hogan and Dermot Ryan, guys who were playing Fitzgibbon over the last weeks few weeks, if he goes strong and, and names all those guys like I, I, I couldn't see anything but a clear victory either. I, I just don't know where Wexford are at. I think this is the real litmus test for him now this weekend because, as I said, Kilkenny were missing a lot in Nolan Park today. They drew with him. Like they, they drew it awfully okay. They were down to 13 men, but they would be, they'd be looking at that game to, to be winning those games if they want to push on in Lee McCarthy level. So I just think that they're still a bit off it. Maybe they have a lot of guys to come back to. So it, I, for me it depends on what team Brian Lohan names if he goes really strong I think he'll have his he could have a semi-final berth wrapped up this weekend Shane OK in 1B you would imagine it's going to be victories for Galway away to Antrim and Tip at home to Westmead well, Dublin Limerick um, two questions for you here Shane uh, because I do want to get your thoughts on integration uh, alongside Eva Murray as well um, how will John Kiley look at this fixture and also Dublin they haven't been going well but Chris Crummy I believe is going to be uh, returning and that's a massive boost for the Dubs Ah, uh, it's massive, like because I think I think Dublin are struggling, Shane. To be honest, in my own opinion, I I thought even today against Tip, they they didn't look good, and um, you know just they they scraped over the line against Antrim. They were very very lucky against Antrim to get to, to get a result, like you know that just heartbreak for the for the Antrim goalie, like they just dropped the ball in, into the net, like and I I just think that you know with 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 all the, with all everybody playing Jay up in Dublin and everything, they just seem to. Maybe it's it's as a result of how successful their footballers are, Shane. But they just seem to find it hard to to, to make make a real breakthrough in the hurling. I suppose, like if you go back when Anthony Daly was there, like that was probably the pinnacle of it for them. You know, getting mm. to winning Leinster's, winning leagues, getting to an All Semi Final. Really unlucky not to get to an All Ireland Final in 2013. But since then, it's for me, it's been a slow regression. And even when you lose a player of the quality of Donald Burke for any county. It's 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 very hard to replace replace a Donald Burke in any county. But I mean, if you take the lights of Limerick, if they lose a Garrod Hegarty, well then a Cahill O'Neill will step in, or a Shane O'Brien, or a Graham Mulcahy, or someone. Whereas Donald like Donald Burke is irreplaceable in in a setup like Dublin, in my opinion. And then like, where's Owen O'Donnell going to play? Like he's a top defender, but is he going to be? Because I know he plays his club hurling in the forwards. Is he going to have to go up because maybe they don't have that strength and depth up there? So I just think Dublin. Dublin are, are just they don't they don't look comfortable playing at the top teams at the moment, and I think the way John Kiley will look at it, at Shane quickly is, I think there's a he's coming to the stage now with the year where he's going to start getting more and more of his regulars back on the field. They love playing in Crow Park. It'll be a really good test. So what I think with Limerick you'll see is maybe seven or eight, maybe nine max of their you know Championship fifteen guys, and I think you'll see five or six guys getting a chance. And John Kiley saying to him without saying to him. This is this is you know the big arena. This is where we play our best. There'll be a nice crowd in at the end of it with the Dublin and Kerry footballers on as well. And I think he'll he'll say to a few of them, "Here's your chance now to show to me, you know, are you you know are you really going to be able to cut it uh, when it when it comes to championship stuff? It's it's not the hardest challenge, but it is it is a challenge for four or five of them. I'd say for for John Kiley and what a great place to be in, like for the Limerick manager. Absolutely, Dublin Limerick in uh, Crow Park, part of a double header. Uh, Aoife Murray is also on the line, as I mentioned. Um, Aoife, before we talk about the the Camogie matches uh, themselves, uh, as we know, this week uh, the GEA will be a brand new association by 2027, and that is according to the organisation with uh, integration finally uh, finalised, or the, the the wheels are in motion. What was your initial reaction to this news during the week? 
I, I think um, positive, really, and it couldn't be anything but positive in the sense of what it's been two years since the GPA brought the motion to Congress um, for for a one a one family umbrella across all the, the GAA family. And even when it was muted, when, or sorry, when that was discussed two years ago, it was muted, you know, 10 year plus of a of a process. Two years later, you know, we now have a three year uh, a three year gap to the finish line, which I think can only be, be positive. I always believe in a deadline because then you have to need something to work towards. Um, so really positive. I'm really looking forward to understanding the detail of this three-year plan. It was kind of interesting that that wasn't actually given this week, that they were holding it back for the Congress, for the Congresses coming up over the next few weeks, weeks, which I thought was a bit, it was interesting. Maybe they're just trying to tease us and keep us on the hook for another couple of weeks. Really interested to see the detail. Like even one of the subgroups being, you know, the one club, I would have liked to have seen that actually one county. Let's start at the the head of the county family and, and feeding it down. But look, yeah, really positive on a whole. Very much so. Um, Shane McGrath, just very briefly, just following up, I suppose, would you share those those positive sentiments? I would, yeah, I would. I think, you know, with the with, with the way it is at the club level, like Aoife said there, with the, you know, with the, with the one club kind of thing, that everyone's coming underneath the same umbrella, you know, it, it does, it is working well and that's that's what it's all about. But I just think, Shane, I, I just think Jarlett Burns, you know, he's, He's a very passionate man. I think he'll be. A, I do. I honestly do feel he's going to be a great leader as the president of the GA. The way he speaks, and you know, I think he'll be a president for for all. But I just think this is going to be one of the the greatest logistical challenges the GA has ever had. And mm. I think Jared Burns at the head of that. If I tell you what, if, I tell you what, Shane. I I really hope this happens. I'll be the same as Eva there. I've I, I've I've two daughters myself, and you know, you just you, you really want what's what's best for for, for everyone in the GA. And I. But I just think that how they're going to work it, I just think it'll be great. If, if, if Jarlett Burns, by the end of his three-year term, Shane, has this in place, I think it could be up there with landing on the moon. <laughs> big, big call, but I completely agree with you, to be honest, uh, Shane, on a serious note. Um, Aoife, before uh, we do end the show, let us chat Camogie fixtures because there were wins for Waterford, Cork and Galway uh, in the opening round of Division 1A. Fair to say, tip Galway... Uh, would be the the pick of the bunch of the fixtures this weekend. Um, it, it would, I suppose. Uh, I would probably still be looking at maybe the Cork Waterford as well as a as a as a showdown from last year. Um, I think for Tip, it's going to be a massive game for them, losing your first your first day out against Waterford, and kind of limps their way through the game, which I know doesn't sound it's not a very positive thing of me to say, Shane, but they did they never looked like they were going to win that game. Um, so they've got a big, big weekend ahead of them to try and turn it around. Again, Galway turning over 17 points, but again, really, really relying on Dolan. I know Nyland stepping up there with a good few points, which is great to see for them. But, you know, I would worry for Tip, they need to get another win, starting out with two losses for a team that, for me, were flying it last year and showing a lot of great strength with regard to to the style of play they were playing. But equally, just down to the basics of fight and determination and work rate, I thought they showed all of those last year. So I think for them, it's going to be a massive, a massive weekend. And Kilkenny, Clare then, how do you see this one playing out? Um, I would say Clare probably have a bit of a mountain, a mountain to um, to climb. I thought Kilkenny actually, in fer- fairness, first competitive day out under new management, I actually thought the Cork and Kilkenny match was excellent at the mm. weekend. For the first round of the league, um, you know, you're meant to come out of the blocks a bit slow, but in fairness, both teams, like it was a point for point, um, and I thought actually both teams came quite fit to the game. 
uh, they didn't show too many signs of rustiness bar the thing with Kilkenny and I think if, if they can work on this in the league they're going to have a massive shout with regard to, to the latter the latter of the summer uh, championship games it's just their execution of the pass a lot of their hand passes it showed it was the first round of the league and some of their hurley passes so I think for me if they can tidy that up and I think they'll have a good opportunity against Clare this weekend to try and tidy those things up if they hit the ground running like they did last Saturday Clare are going to be in for, for a long long hour just uh, finally on the on the new management teams listen there's only been one round of fixtures so very very early days but did, did you notice anything from both Kilkenny and Cork in, in terms of any new styles with the new management? Uh, with, with Cork when I was when I was watching it and I watched it a couple of times back it was just more of the same to be fair and he's he's absolutely right if it's not broke don't fix it um, he's got I think all of the panel has come back I think for the year so it was a bit of more of the same Kilkenny they didn't vary things massively either. They tried to shift some of the forwards, uh, corked the fenders out, trying to trying to expose them. Uh, it worked once or twice. What I did really notice with regards to, I suppose, the new management in Kilkenny was they were really fighting hard to turn over the turn turn over the ball. That's how they got the, their goal. They capitalised uh, on a mistake that Cork made, and I have to say, absolutely brilliant, brilliant goal. So I think that's probably the one thing that I really really saw. And sometimes that come, you know, yourself it comes with a new management. A bit of freshness to it, wanting to impress, but certainly that's one one part of the game that I noticed. But structurally wise and how they spread the ball around, it was a bit of more of the same from from last year. Great stuff, Eva Murray. Thanks so much for taking the call. Update you on the basketball halftime: Kosovo forty-five, Ireland thirty-eight. That's all we have time for. Big thanks to Ronan Lawler and Stephen Higgins working on this evening show. Better to Silva is up next. We'll be with you six o'clock tomorrow, live from Cork. Do say cheers to Two FM. Bye for now. RTE Two FM. Game on on 2FM. Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men 72-hour advanced deodorant. Tough on sweat, not on skin.